the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk at 100, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey and 104.1 The Fish, and I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, word of encouragement, cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. And make sure your pastor or ministry leader knows about our Pastor Appreciation Breakfast with Pastor Alan Jackson of Alan Jackson Ministries, the music of Georgine Rice, and it's all coming right here to Embassy Suites Portland Airport on Thursday morning, November 3rd, with details at kpdq.com. Speaking of events and ministry outreaches, my very special guest today is a friend from Morningstar Community Church in Salem. His name is Louis Schmitz. So welcome, Louis. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the drive up here today. I look forward to hearing more about your project, Base Ministry, and I'll make sure to post all of the relevant websites online on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com, which include baseministry.org. But we've got something coming up soon, and it's a wonderful event for tween-age girls, which would be 7 to 12 years old, and their parent figures. And that would be the True Girl Pajama Party Tour from the creators of Secret Keeper Girl. We actually have two dates and locations this year, Thursday, October 6th in Salem at Morningstar Community Church, and returning to Troutdale Sunday, October 9th at Harvest Christian Church. So, Louis, can you give us the big picture, not as a ministry leader, but as a dad, including being a dad of daughters, when it comes to True Girl the Pajama Party Tour? Yeah, having my 10-year-old daughter being able to attend this thing with my wife, her mom, it's it's a fun thing to be able to, to send her to, but I'm thinking as a dad, I want my daughter to be able to know Jesus. She She's a believer, but I want her to know Jesus and then have an opportunity to be poured into by my wife as well as other ladies in the church. So the opportunity that, that she's going to have by a, a attending this thing and sort of, you know, one-on-one opportunity for my wife and her, it's 
not an opportunity that comes along very often. Uh, we've got four kids, and so our life is super busy, uh, and we get interrupted constantly. But to to show uh, care uh, for her spiritual well being, I'm I'm super excited of what this evening will bring for both my wife and my daughter's relationship. I'm so happy for you. It's tough having girls sometimes. The stereotype is that girls are often sweeter from the baby through toddler years, and then once they approach teenage dumb, it gets harder. Whereas I would attest, in my case, my son TJ, he was a bit of a challenge from birth (laughs) through his toddler years, but he's turned into a delightful teenager and now 20-something since then. So what do you think of these stereotypes when it comes to raising boys versus raising girls, Louie? Well, I, I don't know yet. I mean, my oldest is 10. My youngest is eight months. So I don't have a full wealth of knowledge on it. Uh, but I think it all comes down to parenting. I think, you know, how we interact with our kids and how we parent our kids and how we lead them is going to dictate how they act or how they respond to things. And I mean, there are some things that are going to be true regardless, boys versus girls or anything, but I want to be able to raise my kids to know, love, and follow Jesus, and then what comes after that, uh, I hope I can help shape them in the right direction. So for those of you who might be new to the term true girl, the tour actually used to be called Secret Keeper Girl, but I like the rebranding. I think the name True Girl is simpler and it's less confusing. So we're inviting you, whether it's in Salem at Morningstar or Troutdale at Harvest Christian Church, to join us at the True Girl Pajama Party Tour. And for two hours, you and your 7 to 12-year-old daughter will receive uninterrupted bonding time, growing closer to each other and closer to Jesus. You'll experience deep connection with your daughter through practical Bible teaching, live worship, hilarious games, fashion shows, and more. And the event is built with both you and your girl in mind. So we'll promise we'll leave you both feeling like it was made just for you. I remember going to past events, Louie, and enjoying some of the moms showing up with their daughters and they wore the same outfit or did their hair the same way. It was really, really cute. So I hope and pray that Katrina and your daughter have a lifelong memory. And most importantly, that it's a building block for the word of God and for the relationship between daughters and their mother figures to remain tight all of their years. So working in children's ministry and seeing a lot of youth, what are you perceiving today when it comes to coming out of a pandemic era for one, the distancing and inability to see peers, classmates, as much as they did, say, three years ago and earlier when it comes to mental health? Well, I think that's something that I was worried about and thinking about during this this time that we were in shutdown for so long. What does it look like when we come back? I was specifically thinking about church and kids coming to church, how can I best train my leaders, my volunteers? What can I equip them for? And because we had never done this before, we didn't know what to expect. But now, like what I do see, both in my kids in school and kids on Sunday morning in our different classes, I see a 
lesser attention span. It's shorter for sure. I think parents are many times, not all the time, but many times, parents want to be able to pass off things to their kids to be able to take up the time. So what I mean is, oh, I'm in this meeting now. Here's my phone. Um, I'm in this meeting now. Watch this show. So what the kids are being used to is a screen. And there's so many different screens at home. There's a, the iPad, the phone, the whatever, tablet. And so that attention span being so much less and the time that is allowed for relationship building isn't really there. So kids don't know how to talk to each other. Kids don't know how to talk to teachers, parents, leaders, and it, they, it's hard for them to have a conversation. So I've been, I've been seeing that a lot. So do you have any good advice for parents, Louie, when it comes to trying to make up some of this ground regarding communication skills? My advice would be pick a day. I don't want to blanket statement and saying this one thing will help and change the course of history in your family, but I would want you to start small. The starting small would be pick one day. Pick one day of your week where there are no screens, there are no shows, but you sit down as a family, you talk. You can find questions all over the place. There's games with questions to get to know each other. Ask questions, play games together, get to know your kids, have your kids get to know you. It would it would probably change a lot. It, even smaller than that, sit down together at dinner and ask questions of each other. Icebreaker questions. What would you do if this happened? What would you do if, if you had to do this or be there? And I think starting small with that would be a big game changer. Many times the problem that I find is I need to be able to find the time for this. And normally whenever I try to find the time for something, it doesn't happen. But rather, I need to make the time. What time during the week, what day during the week can I make time for this? If it's a priority, then I'm going to make time. My wife says we get the things done that we really want to do. Mm Mm-hmm. So by prioritizing, maybe throwing it up on the family calendar and saying, no, there are no negotiables for this time together. I think it starts from from us, from the parents. Good thoughts, Louie. So tell us about the transition from going to a heavy live stream church population to more and more people coming back to church. In your circles, have you seen any church's numbers approach what they had pre-COVID? I don't know if I've seen that. Uh, I What I have seen is different people. So uh, it's first for simple numbers. You know, if you had 500 people come into your church before COVID and then now you still have 500 people, probably 80% of those are new. They're uh, people that had left or um, don't come anymore are part of that 80% that are not uh, attending your church, but the 20% had had stayed. So what I'm saying is you may still have the same amount of people, maybe less, but the numbers changed drastically because other people wanted to find a different church. Maybe the service times were they weren't working for them anymore. But um, I've seen a lot of different people 
compared to two years ago. Well, that's for sure. And I guess one of the positive things about the pandemic era is the fact that many churches, ours included, were forced to bump up the technology when it came to live streams or podcasts or videos and things like that. And at the same time, I think that it made many people a little bit complacent, like, oh, I'm getting my church fix in. I can wake up at 8.58 for the 9 o'clock service and watch in my pajamas while I'm eating waffles on my couch. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing on a rare occasion if you've got a sick kid or something like that. But do you believe that this generation doesn't quite get the importance of fellowshipping in person? Oh, completely. Everything is tech. Um, conversations uh, in person are not normal. Uh, relationships are all through a, a text or, or FaceTime. Uh, so the attending, I, I, this may not be a popular opinion, but attending church online uh, as a normal means of attending church, in quotes, uh, I don't think is healthy, Uh because you're not with the church, um, you may uh, if you're involved with things throughout the week and and maybe in a group or something. I don't know. That's that's between you and God. But uh, there's there's a reason why as a church we come together on a typical normal schedule. It's for the the reading of God's word for us to hear. And be encouraged and convicted at what what God is sharing with us that week, but then also to be able to fellowship and encourage one another. And when I can click on and off to to the service that I'm watching online, I, I don't I don't think that's what God intended. Well, when the Bible tells us not to forsake the communion of the saints and, and getting together and fellowshipping, I think it's important for us to remember. We're not attending church for our own personal gratification. We ought to be doing it to love God because he calls us to it, and we want to be obedient to him. And we do want to worship him together in fellowship with others. And we do want to see where we can serve. And there's going to be times where we need to receive from our congregation as well. But I would agree with you, Louie, that the whole thing about being together in person brings a synergy that makes you greater than the sum of your parts, mm-hmm. whereas a routine avoidance of getting together can only hurt you. But one way we have to get together is at our events. So I'm looking forward to True Girls Pajama Party Tour coming to Morningstar Community Church in Salem Thursday, October 6th, and returning Sunday, October 9th to Harvest Christian Church in Troutdale. It's a wonderful bonding event for girls who are tweeners or tween age girls, which means between the ages of 7 and 12, roughly, and their parent figures. All the details are on our website at kpdq.com, truetalk100.com, and thefishportland.com. You can also check out mytruegirl.com, and I'll leave all these links on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. When we return, more with Louis Schmitz on Difference Makers.
Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with my pal, Louis Schmitz, who serves as the part-time kids director at Morningstar Community Church in Salem, which is one of the two area churches hosting True Girl's Pajama Party Tour from the creators of Secret Keeper Girl, a wonderful event where girls who are teenagers between 7-ish and 12-ish years old get to enjoy the night with a parent figure. That'll be Thursday, October 6th at Morningstar Community Church in Salem and returning to Troutdale Sunday, October 9th to Harvest Christian Church. All the details are on our websites, including kpdq.com and truetalk800.com. So, Louis, did you always aspire to work with children? I'm curious. No. (laughs) No, it was... I I always thought I wasn't uh, going to work with kids at all, but then um, in college at my church in Virginia, they needed help in the nursery, and I said, well, I got time. I'm a college student. Uh, So I started serving, and from there, it's been kids' ministry. So you totally did not expect that going to college. No. I mean, I didn't even want to be in ministry, and then through many various events, God brought me into that and and said, this is what I want you to do. I love what a sense of humor God seems to have. Mm -hmm. As soon as we say we want something, (laughs) he often brings up something radically different or places us in fields where we don't have natural skills or we don't feel comfortable. And I believe that's firmly to show off his stuff, right? The Moseses of the world who weren't the best public speakers for God to speak through him and make such an impact means it had to be God because it wasn't Moses, right? Right. So I think about that today. I think about how many people have said, oh, no, I'm happy single. I don't need to get married. And then God throws a wrench into those plans. Or, no, we're we're okay in this department. We don't need to have a home someday. Or one of my favorites is, oh, no, we're we're happy being the cool aunt and uncle. We don't need to have kids. (laughs) So, So it's wonderful that God surprised you yeah. by pulling you into children's ministry. So let's backtrack a little. Where did you grow up, Louie? I grew up in New Jersey, born in Florida, grew up in New Jersey. And where in Jersey, knowing that I moved here from Long Island, New York? Yeah, South Jersey. Okay. So near Cherry Hill, right across the river from Philly. That's real close to Philly. Half yeah. of Lafayette College seemed to come from that area, just where, where I went to school. Yeah. So, nice area. Yeah. That's why it's called the Garden State, South Jersey. Okay, so New Yorkers would joke about it as the garbage state. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. Okay, so you grew up in Jersey, particularly around the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Yeah. And was yours a Christian church-going family? Oh, yeah. My, my dad, uh, a pastor, my mom, Sunday school teacher, grew up in the church for sure, came to Christ when I was five, and uh, at the end of my high school— in uh, New Jersey, I went to Liberty University down in Virginia, spent four years there, and then started a seminary degree. God called me into ministry, and I moved to Colorado to jump into sports ministry. Interesting. So what were you studying at Liberty, one of the larger Christian schools? That- yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you go there for? Anything in particular? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do something in sports. So I majored in sports management and uh, minored in business. Interesting. I'll have to have my son TJ talk to you. That's his major right now at Oklahoma Christian. Nice. Interesting. 
Okay, so you loved sports. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Growing up a South Jersey Philly boy, who did you like to follow? What sports did you like to participate in? Yeah, well, I, I started playing sports in eighth grade when we moved there from Florida. So I loved playing soccer, basketball, dabbled in some baseball. And I think the reason why I went toward that arena of ministry is because I enjoyed it. I, I saw relationships form, there was competition, and it was great. And so I thought, at first, being a sport management major, I thought maybe I could be a coach or a scout or something like that. But then God took that and said, no, you're going to do ministry instead. Interesting. So like you, I see the value in sports. I think like anything else, sports are not evil in and of themselves, just like money, for instance. But the overemphasis on sports can be a distraction away from God and family and priorities. So there are well-known preachers out there who have concepts like, oh, well, one in 4,000 football players will ever make the NFL. So why should I put my kid in Pop Warner football? And they have mentalities like that. And my answer would be, well, why would you put your kid in anything? Why would you put your kid in music if he or she's not going to be Carnegie Hall someday Mm -hmm. by that reasoning? And some of the positives I personally see to sports for children would be teamwork, camaraderie, practice, obviously physical health, getting the heart pumping, Mm -hmm. learning from a coach, learning from experience, whether it's losing gracefully or winning gracefully, learning how to deal with life when things go against you. What happens when the umpire makes the wrong call? Mm -hmm. How are you going to deal with that? I think these are all positives, whether or not you're offered a scholarship or whether or not you get a tryout for your high school team. I think all of these things can be positive. So what do you love about sports, Louie? I think it's kind of twofold. One is teamwork. It's a huge piece that kids learn what it means to be on a team. I've got this many people with me that are encouraging me, that are cheering me on. And when I do well, we do well. And at the same time, when I fail, we fail. It's a teamwork aspect. The second thing is the coach-player connection. There is, I think it was Billy Graham, I may misquote this, but I think Billy Graham said that the coach will have more influence over an athlete than any other position in a lifetime. For me, it's true. I think so many times for coaches that I've had in the past, I remember what they said. I remember how they influenced me, how they coached us in the game. And I think the way that we could take this in sports is it could make dramatic effects in our culture and our world. If we've got the right coaches in there, people – who are leading kids to be able to play well, treat each other with respect, those players could turn into people that could do that in the real world of work and play. Now insert Christian values into that, the coach knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and then sharing that with these kids, helping them with teamwork and how to, how to work as a team. Now these kids coming to know Christ, possibly through that situation, now they're influencing 
leaders throughout their life because of that example. So that's a huge reason, those two reasons, why I love working in sports. Lou, you mentioned that coaches you grew up with impacted your life profoundly. Can you think of any instances today which led young boy Louie, whether it was in this sport or that sport, just to have seeds planted, positive ones. What do you pass on to kids that are under your roof or kids that you coach now that you learned when you were young? Mm. Um, Mr. McCoy, he was my high school basketball coach. And what I remember from Mr. McCoy was that he expected us to put our all into practice and we didn't we almost never did and we had a horrible record in basketball there was a season where for i don't know for one reason or another our team put in the effort we practiced well we listened we followed directions we ran the plays amazingly and the amount of joy, encouragement, and respect that came from Mr. McCoy. Just because we were following the the directions, it was like, it, it was crazy to see his reaction. He's going, guys, you're finally listening to what I'm saying. And now you, you've got a winning record. You're doing great in practice. Practice well, and and the game could go well too. So what I what I try to implement like to my kids teams is the way you practice is is the way you play and so i want them to be able to practice well put in your all you know i want to see you practicing well giving a hundred percent because that could in turn dictate what the game looks like great advice louis schmitz thanks for sharing your story with us and as a pastor's kid was there a set moment in time where you know you gave your life to the Lord. Was it a gradual thing or what? No, it was when when I was five years old. Um, I remember it was it was in the the front grass of our church in Hollywood, Florida, and I kneeled in front of the cross and asked Jesus to come into my life. And that was the moment at which I, I became a believer, a Christian. The moment it became even more real to me was in was in college because I went to college to get away from the Christian bubble of my home and wanted to do my own thing. But then after a few months of me trying to find my own thing, God uh, for sure got a hold of me and spoke to me and, and uh, helped change my course and following hard after him. So it was a it was a moment becoming a believer. But then it becoming something that this is where, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to do this. And uh, that was for sure in college. Any standout memories at Liberty University for you, Louie? When you first went, it was to get away from your Cherry Hill, New Jersey Christian bubble, where your dad was the pastor of the church you had attended all those years. But now, granted, it was a Christian college in, in Liberty, you wanted to get away. And I think so many of us, myself included, who grew up in the church, have that same tendency. Why is that? Is that a good thing? Is it natural? Is it something we need to watch out for for our kids growing up or what? I think that there, there is a stereotype that pastor's kids are 
the worst. <laughs> that they are the ones that uh, either are the most disobedient or they walk away from the faith or whatever that looks like. I think for the most part, you know, it's because we are around this Christian thing so much that it becomes too much. For me, it was, I was in church every time the doors were open and it was a lot. And I wanted to be able to make my own decision about that. Now I'm looking at my own kids and we work in ministry and we go to church and we're we're with people and are my kids going to do that? I only hope and pray that because the Holy Spirit's leading, they would be able to continue to follow after Christ without me helping disciple them at that moment when they become mature enough to be able to do that. So was it tough to be a PK, to be a pastor's kid? Was the spotlight always on you? Were people waiting for you to mess up so they could scoff and say, ah, some pastor's kid? Oh, completely. That was the response most of the time. If I did something wrong, I said the wrong word, I was mean to someone, I, I said a name or whatever, the response almost immediately was, oh, you're the pastor's kid. And I would say, yes, and I'm a kid, okay? <laughs> but there's always that stigma that I needed to be perfect, and maybe it was just me not wanting to live up to those expectations. <laughs> but there was an expectation of me to be perfect. That's what it seemed like even. So do you think that was from society or was that from your, your family, from your dad? No, I, I think there was a certain standard that my family, my parents would want me to follow. I don't think they ever had the expectation of perfection for me, but I think it was the people of the church. They may have been putting the same expectations on me as they were my parents in ministry simply because I was the pastor's kid, and so I wanted to prove them wrong. It's not easy being a pastor's kid or a missionary's no. kid or a police officer's or a teacher's kid. So right. for those listeners who are going through that right now, God bless you. Hang in there. <laughs> Wrap up this segment talking about your dad. Was he different at home than he was at the pulpit? No. I would probably say that for the most part he was – an authentic guy, more so in ministry than in family. I mean, we, we saw him home a lot, and he was great in that, but if there, were, if there was anybody from the church that needed help or someone on the street that needed help, he was the first one to stop and help. Somebody had made a midnight call for something, he'd be right over there. So his ability to take the servanthood role of pastor and apply that throughout the week. I definitely saw that uh, every time. Louis Smith is the kids director at Morningstar Community Church in Salem, and Morningstar will be hosting the True Girl Pajama Party Tour from the creators of Secret Keeper Girl Thursday, October 6th, and True Girl's Pajama Party Tour then return to Troutdale Sunday, October 9th, to Harvest Christian Church. All the details are online at kpdq.com and truetalkat100.com. When we return, more with Louis Schmitz telling us about base ministry on Difference Makers. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and my pal Louis Schmitz serves as the part-time kids director at Morningstar Community Church in Salem, one of the two churches hosting the Return of True Girls Pajama Party Tour, which will be Thursday, October 6th in Salem at Morningstar Community Church, and Sunday, October 9th in Troutdale at Harvest Christian Church. All the details are on our websites, including truedog100.com, kpdq.com, thefishportland.com, and mytruegirl.com. It's a wonderful bonding event for girls in their tween years, which is roughly 7 through 12, plus their parent figures. And something else Louie does is he works with a group called Base Ministry, and you can find that more by following Base Ministry on Facebook and Instagram and their website, baseministry.org. That's Base ministry.org. So, Louis, what exactly does Base Ministry do? Yeah, thanks for asking. Base is a training organization. And so what we do is we train leaders to share their faith where they are and where they go. So what that means is uh, really we believe that the church needs more young people serving. Two different ways that we do that is one is called Base Sports, and we use sports as a ministry tool to be able to reach the community uh, of wherever that church is and training up leaders to be able to share their faith through that avenue. The other side is base mission and training leadership and what it means to be a Christian leader and how to share your faith and then helping that church or group or whoever create this, we call it an authentic ministry experience where After being trained, this group then goes to this location to be able to serve the local church, missionary, ministry that's already established there, and helping them reach their mission or vision for that local community. So working with so many different churches, Louis, is there an ideal size, location, age for people that base ministry is able to help? No. I mean, we've worked all across the country with churches of large size and, and, and small. For sports camps, typically what we see is about 80 kids come to the to sports camp, and that's on the average. It can be as low as 20. It can be as high as five 600. On the mission side, uh, we've had groups that are maybe as small as seven or as upwards of 40. And so the sizes of the church don't matter. It's, it's really... What is your vision and mission? Are you wanting more trained leaders to be able to share their faith? If that's your goal, then let's work together. So, Louis, does base ministry come from a a particular movement or fellowship or denomination? It actually started uh, through Awana, and at that point it was known as Missionaries in Training, I believe. That branched off. Uh, missionaries in training branched off to form a, an organization called Youth Missions International, and that continued even after branching off from Awana. Now, it must have been two years ago or more, we changed our name from Youth Missions International to Base Ministry. So that's the the start and the connection of, of where it came from. So why the rebranding? Did people think Youth Missions International meant you were going to go to Africa or something? Right. I mean, all three words were... Uh, people would take individually or, or as a sum and and think, oh, that's what you do. So youth, they thought we just worked with youth. No, it's also kids and adults. Missions, 
the idea of missions is that that's always outside of the country. But yes, we work intern, uh, we work domestically too. And then international said, you go to other countries, you don't work here. No, no, we work here too. So base sports was already established as part of Youth Missions International. But we rebranded to base ministry to give a more fluid feel to our name and branding. Baseministry.org is the website. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I was privileged to be able to help out in a sports camp over the summer. And it was soccer, which is my weak spot. (laughs) But the kids seemed to have a good time. And the devotions that we shared in between these sessions, I think, planted some good seeds. I want to get two things out of uh, sports camp. One is I want to help train leaders to be able to share their faith and then give them that opportunity. And two, I want to share Jesus with kids. Historically, in our sports camps, there's between 50 and 70% of kids that come to sports camp that do not know Jesus. And so the audience that we have attending is really, really, it's a ripe audience to be able to share Jesus with. Many of the families don't go to church or don't have a church or are looking for a church. And so what that means is after the week, they have had at least five days of hearing who Jesus is, a church community that has invested in their kids and their family. And maybe that kid came to know Jesus. Maybe that family is going to check out that church and get involved. But for sure, those leaders that were involved from that local church uh, have now had an opportunity to share their faith and it first it takes practice to get better at doing that and that's that's what our hope is is to be able to train leaders to share their faith i don't think we could be well trained enough to share our faith which yeah. is not to say that you need an mdiv to share to the guy you sit next to on the bus necessarily yeah. if you receive jesus into your heart then you have been given the holy spirit and obviously the more you read your bible the more god will be able to speak things that will come out of you at the right times. And sometimes you'll ask yourself, did I just say that? Or where did that come from? Yeah. So I love the fact that base ministry is putting people in a position to share, not only by preaching to the choir, but with these outreaches like these sports camps. So do you have any good success stories that stand out in your memory, Louie, when it comes to a church, a ministry, a sports camp, inviting people in from the community, especially the unchurched, to not only give fellowship and fun, but to share the gospel? Yeah, a church I've been working with has been doing sports camp for 23 years. And it came originally as a soccer camp, as an idea of being able to do something for the community that wasn't really the norm at that point. And now it's grown into a sports camp of over 400 kids that are coming from the community. It's a staple now. In the community, once a year in June, this many kids come out, and the church is known for them having a sports camp. But so many new families start attending that church each year just because of the exposure to that sports camp from that week. You know, Louis, sometimes I don't know what are the tougher nuts to crack, the completely unchurched or those who may have grown up with some degree of religion, but they got burned. 
Mm-hmm. It was a bad experience getting bullied, uh, an overzealous pastor, a scandal or something like that. So do you think that sports camps are good at bridging the gap and just getting the average person off the street onto a church campus, but in a non-threatening way? Oh, yeah. When I talk with churches that are interested in doing this kind of thing, I always say that this is a comfortable avenue to be able to invite anyone with kids. So doing it on a church campus, that's possible. Doing it in a city park, at an open field, whatever that means. I've done some sports camps internationally as well over the years, and you bring a ball out in a community, and I have personally seen hundreds of kids come out, and now we've just been able to start an outreach. Here in the U.S., it's a little bit different, but using a ball— whatever kind of sport we're playing, as the tool to be able to comfortably attract kids and families from the area is really fun. It's a comfortable way to be able to expose the community and these families to what the church is, who Jesus is, and how awesome it is. So maybe you're athletically inclined. Maybe you played college ball, or maybe you didn't make your junior high team like I did. All right. (laughs) You still have a use when it comes to these sports camps. So where are most of your flagrant needs, Louie? Where do you need the most volunteers to step up? Yeah. The one thing that we do is we bring on coaches during the summer to be able to lead the sports camps that we do. What we have is a team of five that travels from church to church throughout the summer calendar to lead these camps at different churches. And so travel where? Sure. Anywhere from Northern California to Seattle, over to Boise, basically the Pacific Northwest. And so you're in college, you're 18 to 25, and you've got the summer off, and you want to be able to do something like this, look it up, baseministry.org. My initial qualifications for anybody interested in doing something like this is, do you love Jesus? Uh, Have you played in sports? And can you work with kids? And if you answered yes to all of those things, then you should for sure check it out. Now, when we do camps at local churches, the biggest need is for people to step up and serve. When when I say sports camp, a lot of people think, oh, I've never played sports, so obviously I don't, I shouldn't help. But when we are running these camps, the volunteers from that local church, their role is not to run the sport because that's what my team is doing. But their role is to be able to lead a small group of kids. That lead coach in soccer just introduced a drill, and you're going to do exactly what you just saw with those 10 kids on your team. And then you're going to lead a little small group time, talking about the theme of the day, asking questions, sharing a personal story about this, making sure that you are being an example to them of what Jesus looks like through what you say and do. None of that has to do with sports, but you're helping at a sports camp. You've never touched a ball in your life, but you're helping at a sports camp. That is okay. I've been doing sports camps now for 17 years, and I've seen leaders, sports camp leaders, that are anywhere from the ages of 13 to 90, and it's possible, and it's good because most of the time when churches – do sign up for a sports camp and they they bring on these volunteers. The volunteers that help at sports camp 
many times are not either currently serving in a ministry at church or they are many times male over female. And so what we need, like I, you know, I work in kids ministry at my church. And so what we need is more leaders serving in kids ministry. I've just had an opportunity at sports camp to have leaders that aren't currently serving in a ministry be exposed to kids ministry. Now there's some leaders that are potential that might serve in kids ministry. What we need a lot in the sports aspect doing this sports camp at church is having more male figures. Many times working in kids ministry, there's a lot of females and that's great, but we need more male presence as well. Doing a sports camp, I've seen so many more males come out, especially doing a sports camp in the evening because, I don't know, they get off work and they're coming out for it and they can help. And we need both presences of a male and female leadership at sports camp. So those are some great things about it. Great advice from Louis Schmitz, expert in children's ministry and also with Base Ministry information on the website, baseministry.org. That's baseministry.org. And make sure to check out our websites for information about True Girls Pajama Party Tour from the creators of Secret Keeper Girl. Coming to Salem at Morningstar Community Church Thursday, October 6th, and returning to Troutdale at Harvest Christian Church on Sunday, October 9th. So, Louis Schmidt, thanks so much for serving in ministry and to spreading the gospel, especially when it comes to the kids out there. So, on the way out, do you want to say hi to anyone or send a shout-out to anyone, or is there anything on your heart that you want to share? would love to say a shout-out to my wife and kids, Katrina, Sadie, Griffin, Penny, and Gavin. Gavin's not listening. He's eight months old. But... <laughs> my encouragement for any parents listening out there is what I said in a former segment of making time. Time is the thing that we will never get back, but it's the most precious thing. So any time that you can make to spend with your kids down on the floor, playing blocks, playing on the playground, throwing a ball, make the time. Dishes can wait. Make the time to spend with them. Great advice from Louis Schmitz. I'll leave all his website information on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. So thank you so much again, Louis, for your service. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Let's do it again sometime, shall we? Yeah. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.